0: To trade up or to trade down? That is the question that we're going to answer on today's Mock Draft Monday.
1: You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Serious Black, and of course, your very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day and today's episode is brought to you by ultimate football gm if you ever dreamed of becoming an nfl gm and managing your own football franchise this is the game definitely for you so download the game by visiting ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores our listeners get a 100 free boost to their franchise when they use the promo code locked on in all caps in the game store so guys i want to thank everyone that makes locked on falcons their first listen each and every day of course it's free and available monday through friday on a variety of podcast platforms make sure you subscribe or follow for free on youtube or wherever you listen to your podcast so later in today's episode we will be talking about the bud dupree signing with tyler Rowland, the host of locked on titans and he'll give us the lowdown on why bud dupree didn't work out in tennessee and why he could work out here in atlanta but first we got to get into some of these mock drafts and Uh, Looking over many of the mock drafts, I've seen a couple that have the Falcons trading up trading down over the last week. And let's talk a little bit about the possibility of the Falcons trading up. Right. And I look at a mock draft from Christian DeAndrea from uh, for the win. And he has the Falcons trading up in his mock draft to the number five overall selection with the Seattle Seahawks in order to select Will Anderson, the pass rusher out of Alabama and the Falcons only have to give up a third round pick. And that's a very small price to pay for who is the consensus number one overall player in this draft class and Anderson. And that seems like a home run based off of that logic. But I feel like that logic's a little flawed guys, because I don't know if Anderson is the best player in this draft class. I think Jalen Carter is by far the best player in this draft class. I don't even know if Anderson's in the top five in terms of the best players in this draft class. And while I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about it, I do want to explain my reasoning on that. And it has been interesting seeing people like Chris Sims and Alex Rollins and a handful of others people seemingly in recent weeks buck the sort of conventional wisdom that Will Anderson is a so-called elite prospect that he has been billed to be. And certainly I was one of the people pushing that narrative certainly last summer in terms of gassing up what will Anderson could be in the NFL and potentially being the next Von Miller. But then we saw his 2022 season at Alabama. And despite the production, I don't think the film is as impressive as it you know the the stat sheets seem to suggest it is and that prompted me to kind of go back and revisit his 2021 film and I concluded that that wasn't nearly as impressive as I initially thought it was and it's to me a classic case of confirmation bias you know going and watching the film last year uh you know last summer six months ago feeling like oh you just you expect Will Anderson to be this great player and you just see enough and and you sort of automatically assume that and the reason why I'm, you know, questioning Will Anderson a little bit uh, on today's episode, guys, is because in the 2022 film, a lot of his production was due to stunts. It was due to schemes. It was due to, uh, you know, him being unblocked. Right. I posted a graphic on the Discord where I went back and charted several of his sacks, his tackles for loss, his quarterback hits. And five out of his 10 sacks this past year uh, came as a result of him beating an offensive lineman with a pass rush move. The other five were basically cleanup sacks or stunts. Um, And then you look at 40 percent of his tackles for loss uh, that I charted were when he was unblocked. Right. And then you look at, you know, 30 percent of his quarterback hits only required him to beat a blocker. And the rest were, you know, cleanup plays or him, you know, beating a running back that whiffed on the block and things like that. And going back and watching the 2021 film, in addition to that, the pattern kind of matched with a lot of his production the previous year. Right, And when it comes to Will Anderson beating players that are going to be starting offensive linemen in the NFL, you're not going to find too many reps, or at least I didn't find too many reps of him beating those types of guys at the collegiate level. Right. You compare that to a player like Jalen Carter, where you can go and watch his performance against Florida going up against Osiris Torrance. And he dominated Torrance in that game. I don't know if you can find too many games where Will Anderson dominated a future NFL player. You take, for instance, his performance against Tennessee this past year against Darnell Wright, where a lot of people are you know, big fans of Darnell Wright because they're like, oh, he shut down Will Anderson. And rather than that sort of being an, an outlier performance or a testament to Darnell Wright's ability, I think that's proof of what I'm talking about with Will Anderson, where like he's not beating. You know NFL caliber offensive tackles. You go to the previous year against Tennessee where Darnell Wright was playing left tackle. He wasn't getting a lot of production against Darnell Wright in that game. A lot of that came against the right tackle in that game, who I believe was the backup right tackle for the Tennessee Volunteers. And that's kind of exemplary of Will Anderson's entire body of work. And so I could continue to go deeper on this. I'm not going to. I do think Will Anderson will be a good NFL player, but I don't know if he's going to live up to the sort of comp that you constantly hear like Von Miller or Khalil and be that type of dominant presence in the NFL I see him as more of having an NFL career more like a Carl Lawson a good player a good productive pass rusher but not going to be the truly dominant pass rusher that I think a lot of people have built him up to be but I'm sure I will get a lot of pushback on this in the comments so go ahead and roast me in the comments uh, for having a slightly different opinion about a professional potential NFL player Uh, so I I do not expect the Falcons, despite my, you know, opinions on, on Will Anderson, I don't expect the Falcons to be that interested in Will Anderson, especially trade up for him. Uh, I don't see the value of the Falcons adding another undersized pass rusher. You know, I think if they're going to get an edge rusher at the top of this draft, it's going to be someone like Tyree Wilson of Texas Tech, Miles Murphy of Clemson. That seems to be more their type of fit. And I've seen a lot more mocks over the last week or two starting to put Miles Murphy back into the top 10. So that may be something to keep an eye on. But, you know, why would you draft Will Anderson when you've just gone out and signed Bud Dupree? Now, we'll get to that later in the podcast and talk about his impact. But let's talk a little bit more about the potential potential trade back scenarios for the Atlanta Falcons. And we'll continue that as we uh, continue today's Locked on Falcons. But first, guys, I want to tell you about the ultimate football GM. And today's episode is brought to you by this fun new mobile game. And if you're looking to make trades ahead of the draft or make signings ahead of your draft, if you want to be uh, an NFL GM, this is the game definitely for you. You can control every strategic aspect of your team, whether it's signing players, making trades, drafting players, free agents, going through all the ups and downs of the season in a very challenging and very realistic game world yeah, I, I'm sure some of you guys that have downloaded the game already know what it's like to be in cap hell in that game. And it is very frustrating to try to navigate that through a season. So it is very challenging in those ways. So make sure you go check out this game by going to ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores. And when you do make sure you use our promo code locked on in all caps as L O C K E D O N in all caps in the game store. And you'll get a hundred percent free boost to your franchise so again head on over to ultimate-gm.com uh to download the game ultimate football gm start your dynasty today so guys i want to thank everyone that makes locked on falcons their first listen Each in every day. Shout out to all my everydayers. And for the rest of you that aren't listening every single day, you got to step your game up. Right. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the Falcons trading back options. And I think this is always an option on the table for a lot of fans and and certainly most NFL teams. Uh, But as we often say, you got to have two to tango. But I, I do feel like the trade back possibility seems to be increasing. And that is in part due to we don't quite know what's going to go at, on at the top of the draft. You know, I think for a while, a lot of us, myself included, have kind of assumed that quarterbacks will go one and two in this draft ever since the Carolina Panthers traded up to that number one overall spot. It will be uh, them and Houston taking a quarterback back to back in this draft. It's going to be C.J. Stroud of Ohio State or Bryce Young out of Alabama in some order uh, and you know it seems like there's been a lot more buzz over the last couple of weeks that that may not be the case Carolina is going to take a quarterback at one but maybe Houston won't take a quarterback it sounds like a lot of people seem to suggest that Houston really likes Bryce Young and they're not as high on CJ Stroud so uh, given the notion that Bryce Young is now the favorite to be the Carolina Panthers number one overall pick if they take him do the Texans pass on CJ Stroud now Who knows if this is true? Who knows if some of this buzz is just kind of Carolina putting out the smoke to basically get Houston to trade up with them so they can get assets and still kind of get the quarterback who's either 1 or 1A on their draft board or 1B, I guess, on their draft board. And CJ Stroud, if they move back one spot, who knows at this point. This is why I absolutely love the draft guys because we don't know what's going to happen 10 days from now on that Thursday night. And that's what makes the draft so exciting. You know, It's like being a kid on Christmas. So we'll see how that goes. But This now applies to the Atlanta Falcons because all along myself, uh, and I'm sure many of you out there have also kind of been assuming that we'll see multiple quarterbacks gone in the first seven picks, at least three, if not four, quarterbacks in the top seven. And that means that the Falcons are pretty much guaranteed to get one of the top five non quarterbacks available in this draft. And the consensus is Will Anderson, Jalen Carter of Georgia, Tyree Wilson of Texas Tech, Christian Gonzalez, a cornerback from Oregon, and Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas, seem to be the consensus. Top five non-quarterbacks in this draft class. And if three quarterbacks go in the top seven, the Falcons are guaranteed to get at least one of those guys. And potentially two of those guys could be on the board. Uh, if you know, four quarterbacks go in the top seven. And, you know, I've been of the mind that we will see quarterbacks go early in this draft, even if that is not a common occurrence. You go back to the 2021 draft where the expectation a lot of people had was we could see quarterbacks go one, two, three, four in that draft class. And the reason why it didn't, we saw quarterbacks go one, two, three. Uh, we saw the fourth quarterback and Justin Fields fall to the 11th overall selection, but to me it was justifiable because when you look at the, all the players that went ahead of Justin Fields from 4 through 10, you see a lot of premium talents at, at premium positions. You have Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Pinay Sewell, JC Horn, Patrick Sertan, Devontae Smith, and it doesn't seem like this year's draft class has that many of those guys that's going to really cause these quarterbacks to fall. You don't necessarily have an elite receiver that can match players like Chase Waddle and Smith. Uh, maybe you might consider Christian Gonzalez or Devin Witherspoon, the corner from Illinois on the same tier of JC Horn and, and Patrick Sertan. but it doesn't seem like a lot of people seem to be thinking that way. You don't have a Penny soul in this draft class. Given that the top offensive tackle, Peter Skoronsky out of Northwestern, a lot of people project to be a guard in the NFL, so it, it is a situation where it doesn't seem like teams are going to be passing on a quarterback for you know a premium position at a premium player at another position at a premium position. Uh, so that's been leading that, but maybe that's not true. Maybe let's imagine a scenario where the Falcons uh, or the 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 rest of the NFL only t- there's only two quarterbacks going in the in the top seven. And that does complicate things for the Falcons. The downside of that is that they may not be able to get one of those elite players, those premier players at a non-quarterback position at eight. But the upside of that is maybe it does open the door for them to trade back, right? And, you know, I think the teams picking immediately ahead of the Falcons will probably benefit more from that scenario where we don't see the quarterbacks uh, go early in this draft. Teams like Arizona, Seattle, Detroit, that seemingly have their at least short-term answers at quarterback, moving back with teams like, you know, the Raiders picking at seven, Tennessee picking at 11, Washington at 16, you know, maybe Houston, if they pass on a quarterback at two, maybe they use that 12th overall pick to go back up and get their guy, uh, you know, er earlier in the draft. We'll see how that plays out. But Let's look at a mock draft that recently had the Falcons trading back. Uh, CBS Sports's Chris Trapasso had a mock where the Washington Commanders moved up from 16 to 8 to get Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback, and the Falcons moved back to 16 to get Bijan John Robinson. Uh, now, Chris did not mention the terms of that trade in terms of what the Falcons would get back in that trade but we've talked before on a recent Q&A where a listener asked sort of you know how far would the Falcons have to move back in order to get a future first round pick and based off of past drafts you know i basically said like 10 to 15 spots would probably certainly get the Falcons a future first round pick and so moving back 8 spots is cl- getting a close to that you look at a previous trade where the Buffalo Bills in 2018 moved up from 12 to 7 to get Josh Allen they gave up two seconds in order to secure that so one would imagine going back from 8 to 16 you would get at least two seconds so maybe like two seconds in a third or fourth or something or maybe potentially Washington would give a a future first round pick and I think that would be an advantageous trade for the Falcons obviously I think a lot of people especially those Falcon fans that are a little bit lukewarm on the idea of potentially taking a running back at eight would be much more open to moving back uh, eight spots getting a player like Bijan Robinson where the value seems to uh, fit a little bit better as well as picking up uh potential future assets in this year's draft and next year's draft i really do think getting assets in next year's draft is is valuable obviously you want to get something this year in addition uh to that but you know instead of i've seen so many mock drafts over the last couple of months where people have submitted to me on twitter or in the discord uh talking about how you know making multiple trade backs and wind up picking like 12 or like 15 guys in this year's draft and there's really just not 12 to 15 spots available on this roster right now frankly the Falcons only I think have 80 guys on the roster so there's only really 10 spots available on their roster but you know reality I think there's probably only 8 or maybe 9 spots that the Falcons could realistically draft that could realistically make the team and maybe we'll discuss that on a future episode later this week as well whether those spots uh, moving forward so I do think getting assets next year it's advantageous you get uh, picks in 2024 obviously See, you know, the potential there, if the Falcons are not as sold on Desmond Ritter a year from now and want to move in another direction at the quarterback position, those assets would benefit them in a major way there. Um, but in addition to that, and let me be clear, I, I don't think the Falcons are going to be moving off of Desmond Ritter, uh, a year from now. Uh, I don't think that's a very likely outcome, but we'll, we'll sort of have to see, but obviously if you can put yourself in a position similar to what the Eagles did a year ago, when they were in a similar boat with, uh, Jalen hurts, uh, You know, that would be advantageous and you're seeing they're going to get two first round picks this year. But, you know, I also sort of look at, you know, the fact that 12, depending on who you think is going to make the roster between 12 and like 20 guys. Are currently on the contract for the Falcons are going to hit free agency. So you want to have assets that will allow you to replenish your roster. That would be extremely valuable a year from now, as well as the possibility of getting assets that can allow you to trade for veteran players. Let's say, let's imagine a world where Desmond Ritter, you know, does play well. And that's the world that I think a lot of us are, are, you know, constantly imagining as we lay our heads down to sleep each and every night, but Desmond Ritter plays well, but you know, to get over the hump, you know, whether that's to make the playoffs or win a playoff game uh, a year from now, maybe you want to go out there and get a veteran player and those assets that you acquire in this sort of trade back scenario would help you benefit uh, to, you know, if you get a second or a third round pick next year or something like that, that would allow you to be able to send that some way uh, to, to get maybe that veteran player that's going to be that sort of quote unquote final piece to the puzzle. So all of these things to me make a ton of sense. It's something to keep our eyes on. You know, I do think we'll get at least three quarterbacks in the top seven um but i'm not as convinced as i was you know two weeks ago that those quarterbacks are definitely going to carolina houston and indianapolis so we'll just have to see how that all plays out and we'll also have to see how bud dupree contributes uh to this team uh and impacts the falcons draft plans and we'll talk about that with tyler Rowland of locked on titans to wrap up today's episode so make sure you stay tuned for that all right everyone we are back with another illustrious guest he is none other than tyler roland the host of the locked on titans podcast and we've had him frequently on this show the last two off seasons because as you guys can see over my shoulder if you're watching on youtube and making us your first watch right that tennessee to atlanta pipeline has been going strong these last two years and it only continued with the acquisition of bud Dupree who spent the last couple of seasons with the Tennessee Titans. And Tyler's going to join us to give his thoughts on why things didn't quite work out for bud Dupree in Tennessee. So Tyler, welcome back to the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love coming on here. I think, uh, at this point I may petition to locked on and, and say that I'm a co-host of locked on Falcons at this point, all jokes aside, uh, like the move for Atlanta. So I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more, but, uh, Bud Dupree obviously didn't work out in Tennessee. We'll get into that as well, but I do like the move at first glance for the Falcons.
0: Yeah. Let's let's talk about why it didn't work out for Bud Dupree. They went out, you know, the last couple of off seasons, spent a lot of money on pass rushers, on Clowney, Bud mm-hmm. Dupree, re- keeping Harold Landry, I'm probably forgetting somebody else. Vic do, Beasley. Yeah. There
1: you go. <laughs> that was a disaster. He yeah. held out by training camp with a new deal.
0: Um, you know, why didn't it work out for Bud Dupree?
1: Um, I think that it's two different things. One is like a perception reason, and then one is an on-field reason. So, number one, on-field, he just couldn't stay healthy. Um, came in off a torn ACL, which why are you giving a guy a five-year, $85 million deal at the top of the market when there are guys like Trey Hendrickson and Hassan Reddick and Matthew Judon? Why are you paying Bud Dupree more than all those guys when he's coming off a torn ACL? He tried to come back too early, put the pressure on himself to play because he got the new big deal. He tried to play from week one off the ACL tear, and he re-injured his knee throughout the season, could not stay healthy at all. He ended up only playing in 11 games, and he left a lot of those games early, quite honestly. So saying that he played 11 out of 17 is a bit misleading as well because he would leave early in a lot of games. And then you go into season number two for Bud Dupree in Tennessee, and He said, I believe that he said that, you know, it was a compensation issue, but he started having a hip issue last year, and he only played in 11 games again. And a lot of those games, he played the first quarter, and then he left early. So he only played 22 out of a possible 34 games in two seasons, and that number is misleading because he left so many games early after he re-aggravated some injury that he had. That's the real on-field reason it didn't work out for Bud Dupree, but also the perception reason that I hinted at. He got five years, $85 million. And the guy who gave him that contract, Titans former general manager, John Robinson. And we could talk about the A.J. Brown trade all we want, but a big reason why the Titans are in the cap situation that they're in is because he gave that deal to Bud Dupree. And a lot of people, I have been known as somewhat of a Bud Dupree hater. in the Titans community, on Titans Twitter, since the deal was signed for Bud Dupree, I said, oh, he's going to be gone in two years. Once they get an out, they're going to get out from him. Because to me, Bud Dupree is not a top-tier premier edge rusher. He's not your number one rush guy that you build everything around. Bud Dupree in Pittsburgh, in my opinion, was the fourth best rusher on the team. You had Watt. And then you add Hayward and then Stefan to it. So, the way if you go back and look at the tape of how Bud Dupree got his sacks in Pittsburgh, because that last year in Pittsburgh, Bud Dupree had 11 and a half sacks, or he had eight sacks. He had 11 and a half the year before that. So, he really had good sack production. But if you go back and look at that last year in Pittsburgh, those eight sacks, they're like cleanup sacks. They're from relentless effort. They're not Bud Dupree winning with a move, getting to the quarterback. There, TJ Watt flushing a quarterback out, Cam Hayward flushing it, and Bud Dupree's just relentless and giving a ton of effort and finds a way to get to the quarterback. So I feel like some of his sack production in the past was more of a product of his environment. But if you look at the raw numbers and you look at the contract that the Titans gave him, Titans fans are like, oh, he's a top-tier edge rusher, top-tier pass rusher. He's just simply not. He was going to hit the Titans cap for $20 million in 2023 so that's why they ate $10 million in dead money to save $10 million in money because Bud Dupree is simply not that guy. I still think, and I've said all along throughout the contract with the Titans, that Bud Dupree can still be like a starting level edge rusher, but he's not the top tier premium pass rusher that he was being paid to be. He was mistakenly paid to be in Tennessee. So that's why I say I like this move a lot for Atlanta because – at the price tag that Atlanta is paying for Bud Dupree up to 5 million which means what? You know, 2 to 3 million in actuality unless he hits those incentives. For that price for a starting level edge rusher that will be physical and relentless and give effort. If he stays healthy, that's a really really good deal and if he doesn't stay healthy, you he didn't sacrifice so much money that it's super punitive for the Falcons either way. So th- that's kind of what happened in Tennessee, my view on Bud Dupree and why I like the the move for the Falcons at that price point.
0: Well, Tyler, you said it all. I have similar <laughs> sentiments from Bud Dupree from his time in Pittsburgh, watching yeah. him the last couple of years in Tennessee, and mm-hmm. similar thoughts on him not being that type of guy that paid that type of money. And as you say, here in Atlanta, they're not paying him that premium. They're not right. expecting him to be the guy like I think Tennessee was hoping he would wind up being. Mm-hmm. And so it may wind up looking like a, a real big bargain for you know a year or two from now what the falcons are paying for bud dupree and what they're going to get back from him compared to tennessee so i do think we can look and learn the lessons from the tennessee titans in terms of don't pay him a premium may not necessarily expect him to play a full season but if you're only paying two or three million dollars for that type of guy that's well worth you know uh, kicking the pants on rather than you know giving (laughs) that guy um Kicking tires. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no.
1: Hey, he might be kicking pants out there too. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that Bud Dupree did do during his time in Tennessee is he freaking got in a fight with a Walgreens worker. <laughs> I think it was the hardest hit that he gave while he was in Nashville. <laughs> but all jokes aside, we talked about pass rush so much, but I did want to take a moment to mention that Bud Dupree is really good in run defense when he's healthy. I mean, he is violent. He will set the edge. Mike Vrabel has this this phrase for run defense it's edge wall swarm and you got to set that hard edge then create the wall and then everyone swarm and when bud dupree is healthy that he was a hotly debated guy in tennessee because when he played the team was a lot better he made everybody around him better because of his presence but he just wasn't worth the 20 million he was being paid i always use the example hey a garnish You throw a little bit of parsley on top of a baked potato or some chives or something like that. You throw a little bit of thyme on a well-cooked steak. It is going to elevate that meal not only in presentation but in taste. But you don't pay as much for the garnish as you do the meat. And Bud Dupree is garnish. So I I wanted to take a a moment and mention that his impact on a defense can be substantial, but I really like what he can do in run defense when healthy too, even though we've spent a lot of the time talking about pass rush.
0: No, I get that. Yeah, he's he's a cog in the machine on a good defense. Yes, um, yes. But he's not going to be the thing that makes that good defense go,
1: right? Yeah, he's not the engine, but, yeah. you know, he can be uh, – I don't know enough about cars to continue the metaphor, yeah. but somebody does I, out I there, and they're before. saying it right now.
0: Yeah, I, I dug myself too deep. But, uh, yep. Tyler, uh, let the listeners know um, what you guys got going on in Lockdown Titans. I, I've heard a couple of your episodes the last couple of weeks, and it's, it's all about, you know, who – the Titans are going to trade up for, right? That seems to be the the, the big conversation.
1: That, that is like the hottest topic, I guess like the spiciest topic, but uh, actually right now I'm smack dab in the middle of the locked on Titans, 2023 NFL draft preview. Uh, If you're a Falcons fan, I know you're covering a ton of draft stuff. You're excellent with your coverage of the draft and prospects, but uh, I go over like 150 to 180 prospects, strengths, weaknesses, where they should be drafted, how they fit within a scheme. And since there's some scheme familiarity, maybe that's something that Locked On Falcons fans would uh, would be interested in. But of course, Locked On Titans, Monday through Friday, free on all platforms. I write over for Sports Illustrated at alltitans.com. And uh, you can find my... Uh, my hot takes and my musings on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans, of course. Yeah.
0: Well, you're covering a lot more prospects than I am covering here on Lock on Falcons, though. <laughs> <so> I <laughs> too definitely many, recommend too people many. To go check that out if they're you know, they're they're just not getting enough prospect talk here on Locked on Falcons. Locked on Titans has you covered for that. And Tyler, since you're here, we, we always have to leave with you you know a, a dirty bird. So let, let's get it going. There you go.
1: Oh. Yes. Yes. Oh, I didn't want to leave without it. I'm so happy we. This is why
0: you should be the co-host. You know, I I, I might have (laughs) to cut you a check uh, very shortly for the Dirty Bird. So, want to thank Tyler Roland of Locked On Titans once again for joining me, uh, as he has so often done these past couple of off seasons, uh, in order to break down a a a current Falcon, a former Tennessee Titans, uh, and you know, on Bud Dupree. I've never been a huge fan of Bud Dupree, even going back to his days at Kentucky, not a fan of him, Pittsburgh, not a fan in Tennessee. And so to me, this is an interesting move for the Falcons. Um, you know, the CUDA trade as well as the, the pre-signing to me gives the team options at edge and corner. Uh, if the draft doesn't go the way and we're talking a little bit about maybe the draft doesn't go that way because we don't have as many quarterbacks going at the top of the draft. And that's that's part of the reason why we're talking about this, because it's like, what do the Falcons know something that the rest of us don't know? That's why they're getting the edge in the corner, because they are have a suspicion that they won't be able to get those guys at the top of the draft like we have been assuming for months and months and months. Um, but My general opinion of Bud Dupree is he's kind of a slightly better version of Lorenzo Carter. Like if if Lorenzo Carter was less effective dropping in the coverage and was a more stout run defender, that's basically what Bud Dupree is. And I I think the upside of this move is similar to the conversation we had when we signed Calais Campbell. It's not that you're getting this dominant pass rusher. I don't expect Bud Dupree, you know, as part of the Falcons rotation to get, you know, eight to ten sacks and have this bounce back year like Tyler was talking about a couple of years ago in his final years in in Pittsburgh. He's probably going to be like a three to four – or or five sack guy. But as we talked about, with that you know the Calais Campbell signing it's really about getting a bunch of guys that can get you you know four or five or more sacks uh, and it I think it elevates the floor for this Falcons pass rush and puts them on the path to being you know getting 40 plus sacks for the first time in almost two decades so I'm not mad at the move I'm just gonna let you know up front that I am not the world's biggest fan of Bud Dupree and it's not gonna be something somebody that you're probably gonna hear me spend a lot of time talking about oh man Bud Dupree gonna be this you know impact player for the atlanta falcons so i just want to give you a heads up now obviously when we get to the actual performances on the field in you know, august september etc you know i am more than willing to you know praise players that play well if, if they exceed my expectations the people that are longtime listeners know that that i'm not just going to be a stubborn you know hater unless your name is muhammad sanu but uh anyway um you know so i i think We'll see how that goes, and I'll, I think the, the key with the Bud Dupree signing is going to be what the terms of the contract is. It's up to $5 million. We don't know exactly what that means, and the thing we'll have to pay a lot of attention to is the guaranteed money because let's just say the Falcons signed him to a, a contract, similar to what the Cowboys gave Dante Fowler this offseason, which was like a one-year, $3 million deal, but it only had $1 million guaranteed. And Dallas, and, and presumably the Falcons in this case, if it applies to Bud Dupree, you know, that's doesn't guarantee that player a spot on the roster that means that the player could wind up getting cut especially if the Falcons go out there and draft a player early in this draft and they're like well you know Tyree Wilson or let's say Miles Murphy gives us exactly what we're hoping to get from Bud Dupree so we don't really need Bud Dupree in this regard and you compare that to a player like Lorenzo Carter where the Falcons gave him a two-year contract but $5 million of that is guaranteed. So Lorenzo Carter is basically a lock to make the Falcons roster this year unless the Falcons can drum up some trade interest or something like that in August. But they're not going to cut him is basically what I'm going to say because his contract really prohibits them from cutting him. And so I'll be curious to see what exactly the terms are for Bud Dupree's contract, and we'll just have to wait and see. But it is curious to me that the Falcons are being very proactive addressing you know holes at corner and edge uh, over the last week, and we have not seen the team – Show that proactivity at the line uh, at the left guard position at the offensive line position, right? And and maybe that's something that we can potentially explore on tomorrow's episode. You know, does it mean that the Falcons are setting themselves up for drafting a player like Peter Skaronsky, the Northwestern offensive tackle slash guard? And maybe we need to revisit. We talked about Skaronsky earlier this offseason, and I was kind of like, yeah, I don't think he's going to be on the Falcons radar. And now it's like, well, may- maybe, maybe. Maybe he is back Uh, and and certainly in a world where the Falcons can't find that trade partner and move back at the draft and they're stuck. And, you know, they don't want to take a a defensive player or those guys are off the board. They don't want to take a running back like B. John Robinson, you know, let's, you know, explore the possibility of Peter Skowalski. So that's something to check out uh, on Lockdown Falcons as the rest of the week unfolds. So continue to make us your first listen, guys, and continue to check us out every single day so that I can give you guys a shout-out on each episode and telling you how, uh, you know, this uh, this humble, illustrious podcast is your first listen each and every day. So that is what's in store. We spend a lot of time talking about who the Falcons are going to take in round one. We also have some guests coming up this week that will – Talk about the possibilities on day two and day three of this draft since we don't spend nearly enough time talking about those players. So that will be something also that you can look in store for uh, as you, know, you make Lockdown Falcons your first listen, all part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.